0: Now, if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Matthew chapter 24. The only thing that bothers me about this message is uh, you might say, well, Brother Fred, I've heard that before, and things continue as they are. Would you listen to me, please? Don't make that mistake. You have heard this message before. Not the way I'm going to preach it, but you've heard it. But I want to say to you, things aren't going to continue as they were before. This is a new time. This is a desperate time. And this is an urgent time. So I encourage you to listen with your heart and ask God to speak to you. You know, just as Noah did in ancient times, evangelist Billy Graham is sounding the alarm for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what Billy Graham says. He believes the second coming is near because the signs of the end of the age are all converging together. And in his lifetime, he's never seen all the signs of the coming of Christ come together like they have today. Now, when Billy Graham speaks, I listen. But you know, Prime Minister Benjamin Nahatnu of Israel said before the United Nations a few, day, a few months ago back in September that biblical, now he's a prime minister of Israel, said biblical prophecies are being realized and they are exactly right and so we need to be fully aware that honestly the return of Christ I believe is imminent I've said that before but I say it with greater conviction than I've ever had everything is indicating the Lord's return That's why Billy Graham on November the 7th is hoping to go into the home of every nation, uh, uh, into the home of every person in America with the message of my hope, America, pleading with people to turn to God, to turn to Jesus before it is too late for them to know the living Christ. Barna, which is a reliable pollster. They polled Christians about Christian issues. They did a poll back in September. Now listen to this. Four out of ten Americans, I didn't say Christians, four out of ten Americans said they felt like that we were living in the last days. Well, when he polled evangelical Christians, and we would be considered that, 77% of those polled said they believed that we're living. In the last days. And that the coming of Jesus. Is very. Very near. You know. John Hagee who's pastor of Cornerstone Church. In uh, San Antonio. He just released a book called The Four Blood Moons. And four times in history. There have been four. Times when. Through a solar eclipse. And some things with the sun, the moon has turned into the color of blood four times in history. One time was in 1492. That's here Columbus discovered America. Another time was in 1948. That was when Israel became a nation. The other time was in nineteen sixty seven, when the Six Day War Israel took back Jerusalem. Now, scientists say and agree That in the year 2014 and 15, these four blood moons will occur. And scientifically, people are saying that. You say, well, Brother Fred, where's that in the Bible? That in the last days that uh, the moon will turn into blood. Turn over in your Bible to the book of Acts. And look in the second chapter, verses 19 through 21. Acts 2. 19 through 21. And notice what it says here. It's amazing. It says, and four times it's already occurred. It says, I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire, vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. Before the coming of that great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It says, and the blood, moon shall be turned into blood. I want to speak to you this morning about the converging of the signs. How that all the signs predicting the return of Christ are now have now converged and have never been this way in the history since Jesus went back and promised over 200 times that he would come again. In Matthew 24, let me just read that, and you listen to what he says as he talks about it. See, the disciples ask him the question. They ask him the question, and I'm so glad they ask him. In the third verse, and as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us. When will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? It couldn't have been any more plain than that. They said, listen, Lord, we want to know when it's all going to come to an end and when you're going to come back. So Jesus begins to answer their question. So let's notice. And Jesus answered and said, this is verse four. And Jesus answered and said, isn't this significant? Take heed, take heed, that no one deceive you. Now, don't be deceived about it. And there have been people who've said Jesus was going to come in 1988, and somebody said uh, a radio evangelist said some time ago that he was going to come on a certain day, and of course it didn't happen because no man knows the day or the hour. But he said, take heed that no man deceive you. Now, verse five has certainly become a reality, and is more reality today than it's ever been. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquake, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you'll be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise and deceive many. Now look at this next verse. And because lawlessness will abound... The love of many will wax cold, but he that endures to the end will be saved. Let's just look at each one of these signs and how they're coming to pass. All right, he said, he says in that verse, said, take heed lest you be deceived. It's found in uh, 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 verse 4 and 5. Take heed that no one deceive you. Many will come in my name saying that I am he. You say, Brother Fred, there there hasn't really been that many, quote, false Christ. Uh, Sun Young Moon had a church in Baalabattri. He he claimed to be the Messiah. And there have been others. But let me tell you something. I got to thinking about that. It said that many will be deceived. Okay, so here is Mohammed. He comes along and says, Allah is God. And Mohammed is his prophet which is the same thing as a Messiah. They honor him as much as they do Allah. He's the one that wrote, took part of the Old Testament and put it together with some stuff that he wrote and and came up with the Koran. And so right now, you you talk to Muslims all over the world, they say Allah is God and Mohammed is his prophet. And so I'm saying to you that Mohammed is in reality a false Christ. And I don't have to tell you that billions, billions have been deceived. And then Buddha comes along. And Buddha does not necessarily claim to be God, but they're, they're priests now. And they have temples for Buddha. And they worship him. My neighbors are Buddhist. They have a picture window. And in the, right in the middle of that picture window is a big statue of Buddha and their candles burning and things like that. And so listen. I mean, millions, billions follow Prophet Muhammad. Millions, billions follow the teachings and worship in a real sense Buddha. And then the Hindus have over 100,000 gods. They have a god for everything and for every day. So it is obvious. It is obvious that false Christ have risen. And have deceived many. And then he goes on and says, in the next verse, in verse uh, 6, he says, There will be wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. Hey, listen, did you know there are more wars going on in the world right now than any time in history? Oh, yeah. Oh, you say? Well, now, now wait a minute, brother. Well, I know about the war in Syria, and I know about the war in Egypt, and I know about the war in Afghanistan, and and I and I know about those. But listen, think of all the tribal wars in Somalia, and in Libya, and all these places where there's been genocides, where millions of people have been slaughtered. How people have run from their countries, and 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 you, you can go to almost any nation in. In the, uh, in the India or Africa area, and you'll find that a war is going on between the tribes and between the people. And so there have never been as many wars at any time as there are right now going on in this world. Some are bigger than others, but there's still wars. And Jesus said, you're going to hear wars and rumors of wars. But it's when the signs converge. It's when they come together. At one time that the Bible says to look up, toward the eastern sky, for our redemption draws nigh. Then he goes on and says, there will be famine, for nation shall rise against nation, verse 7, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines. I don't have to tell you about the drought that has just gone all over uh, India and Africa and those places, where people have had to move to try to find water and food, and that today in this world, that three-fourths of the world goes to bed hungry every night. And they're saying with the global climate change, and I don't know how much to believe about that, but they say that the shifting is going to cause many places not to have water and other places not to have food. And so there's no question, there's never been a time in history when there have been more people that are deceived, when there have been more wars and rumors of wars, and when there's been any greater famine in the earth than it is today and that's why Billy Graham said in his lifetime he's never seen all these signs converge like they're converging which to him means that the coming of Christ is nearer than it has been and you go on to the next thing and it says there shall be pestilences again in verse 7 nation shall rise against nation kingdom against kingdom there shall be famines and pestilences and that's diseases do you know how many billion of people have died of AIDS? Almost half of some populations of countries have been wiped out. Multiplied millions are living with HIV all across Africa and India and all across the world. I mean, it is still a pestilence that is beyond our comprehension. And there are new viruses that are coming up. That don't respond to antibiotics and everything. And and, and, you know. I'm telling you. That they talk about the superbugs. And all of that stuff. I am just simply saying. That there's never been a time. When there's been more peril. With pestilences and diseases. As there are today. And then it says there shall be earthquakes. In many places. You know. We just kind of forget pretty quickly about the earthquake that occurred in the Pacific Ocean and sent the tsunami and literally wiped out the coast of Japan. I mean, literally wiped it out and wiped out their nuclear power plant, which released radiation, which has gone all the way across the Pacific Ocean to parts of California. And the Bible says that there's always been earthquakes but it's almost every day that we hear of another earthquake. And see, this, this is the thing. This is what bothers me. I mean, I've grown up in church. And I've heard of the coming of Christ. And I have believed it. But sometimes I think. I said, that's right. But it'll never happen in my lifetime. It'll never, never occur in my lifetime. Well, here I am, be 76 in December. It might not occur in my lifetime, but I'll tell you one thing. It's a whole lot cl- closer than it ever could was, and it could occur in my lifetime. Because all the signs of, the, of his coming are converging together at this point in history. You go on and read, it says, there will be earthquakes. And by the way, ha- have you ever tried to figure out and, and, and come to grips with the fact of how that in, in two or three days there can be 150 tornadoes across America and come to the grip that the, the, the tornadoes now are bigger and wider than any tornadoes that we've ever known in history. Sometimes a mile wide. I mean, I'm thinking of Tuscaloosa, Alabama. It literally wiped out half of that city. And you know, that I, I, I just sometimes wonder if God is just sending, I'm not saying he's sending tornadoes to kill people, but it's almost like God wants to get our attention and say, listen, things aren't always going to be the way they are. You never know what a day shall bring forth. And the signs are converging of the return of Christ. Well, then there's another one that's very, very alarming. And you look down here, it says all the, in verse 8, all these are the beginning of sorrows, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you'll be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Hated Christians of all nations for my name's sake, and many will be offended and betray one another. I have some friends of mine that do missionary schools over in India and Africa where there are extreme, and I use the word extreme Hindu militants, extreme Muslim militants. And you know what they, those young men do when they finish the school where they come to be trained? You know what they do? They take a vow of martyrdom. Before they leave that school, they say, we will die for our faith. Did you know there have been more Christians killed in the 20th century than any other time in history. You just don't hear about it. North Korea, absolute slaughter of Christians. China, Iraq, Iran, all these places. Listen, I'm telling you over there when they get baptized it means something to them because they know it'll cost them their life. I ask the Lord, why do so many people who are and I'm not picking on the Muslims. I'm just using this example. Why do so many of them, they, 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 they're going to be a Muslim. They don't, it don't, they don't have any hope. They have no hope of forgiveness of sin. They have no hope. Well, what are you going to do when you die? I asked one, a person one time. They said, I'll just go and get you, I'll be punished. I, I guess I'll be there. I mean, what kind of hope is that? But I said, well, why do they always stay? I'll tell you why. If you're a Muslim and you co- convert to Christianity your family will kill you oh yeah listen I know of, of one particular Muslim that had to get had to help get out of the country because the, the parents were doing everything to, because they had quote bet, committed treason betrayed the faith and listen in this generation it says that many you'll be hated by many nations and they'll deliver you up and kill you and that is exactly what has happened the persecuted church all over this world, we need to pray for the persecuted church. I mean, the underground church in China and Iran and Iraq. Uh, Sami Tippett uh, recently met with 40 ministers who had come secretly out of Iran, and, and he spent four, uh, a week training them and equipping them to go back into Iran. All of it's done undercover. And he gave a testimony of how each one of them had had a vision of Christ and he caused them to be converted and somebody told them what it meant and how now that they are in Iran at the risk of their life and that Christianity underground in China and Iran and other places is growing at a rapid pace. But I promise you one thing, it'll cost you your life in those countries if it becomes known that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And then, listen, let me show you one other thing about the signs converging. It says they are going to be, don't anybody deceive you. There will be wars and rumors of wars. And it says uh, there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes. They will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And many shall be offended. Many false prophets will arise and deceive many. But here's the key. This is the thing that really got a hold of me. And lawlessness... It says here, and because lawlessness will abound, lawlessness will abound, the love of many will wax cold. I got to thinking, now we live in America. We know what goes on in Chicago. We know what goes on in Mobile. We know what goes on in major cities of our country where people do not feel safe. Well, they live behind locked doors. We know all of that. We know about lawlessness. But friend, I will tell you, it's that same way all over the world. I mean, you you think you're going to go over there and it's going, hey, no. It's everywhere because of the lawlessness in the heart of men. And and, and I I immediately said, Lord, that's what you said was going to happen in the last days. You told Paul. Exactly. You know, Paul spent three years in in the desert with Jesus. And Jesus taught him. And, and, and Paul asked Jesus, obviously, he said, listen, what, what's going to happen in the last days, Lord? What's going to happen? And in Thessalonians, he gave a great treatise on the resurrection and how we we're going to be raised, and uh, our loved ones will be raised, and we'll go there another day. But he also told Paul what was going to happen in the last days. Let me ask you a question. Tell me if this sounds like the newspaper or not. In, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, this know. That in the last days, oh, the last days, oh, the last days, perilous, dangerous times will come. For it says here, for men shall be lovers of themselves. Wow. It's called humanism. I'm my own God. I determine my own direction. I, have, I need no God to save me and deliver me. I will save myself. They shall be lovers of themselves. They're going to be lovers of money. Woo. Why in the world do you think we had the crash a few years ago? The housing crash and the crash on Wall Street. Let me spell it for you. G-R-E-E-D. Lovers of money. That's exactly why. Fraud. And it says, and men shall be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. Boasters. Boasters. Proud. Blasphemers. Man, they think nothing of blaspheming the Lord Jesus Christ. Of exalting some human. Blasphemers. Disobedient to parents. I wonder where the respect of young people and children for their parents. It seems like about somewhere between 13 and 15, they don't want to live under any authority. No kind of authority. Much less the parents' authority. It says they shall be disobedient to parents. Unthankful. Man, Americans ought to be falling on their knees every day and thanking God. Listen, this is the richest country in the world. You say Saudi Arabia is. Listen, that's a little island. I'm talking about 250 million or whatever it is people. I mean, we've been blessed. And there are plenty of poor people in this land. Yes, there is. And some because of their own choice, some because of of circumstances they can't control. But it says here that they'll be unthankful and unholy, unloving, unforgiving. Have you noticed the bitterness, how bitterness and rage will come into the hearts of people? And it used to be they'd just be bitter and live in their house. And now they go to the business where... That they were offended and they go to the military base up in Virginia and shoot 15 people. Or, or they go to another place with the bitterness in their heart where they work. In the post office or wherever it is and kill people. It's not like they keep the bitterness and anger to themselves. Well, I'm angry and I'm bitter and you're going to hurt me. And I'm going to hurt as many as you, if you can, as I can, before I kill myself. Happens all the time. Security at workplaces has to be Unbelievable. See, this is what Paul said. Let me tell you something. In the last days, perilous times are going to come. And this we're living in them right now. Right smack in the middle of them. Unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control. Brutal. Listen, the violence that goes on, I don't see how anybody can have any conscience with the violence that they see day and night on television and all this kind of stuff. The, the more gory and the more blood the better the seller of the movie. I mean, it's unreal. It says they're going to be brutal. They're going to be despisers of good. They're going to be traitors, headstrong, haughty. Well, what about this? Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And then it talks about the religion of the day. They have a form of godliness. Oh, you know, we we, we know anybody below Richmond is a Christian. They have a form of godliness. But deny the power thereof. No power. It's all word. It's all ceremony. It's all ritual. It's all rites. But no power. No power. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And boy, get this. We've never been smarter, but we've never been further from the truth. Listen to what it says in verse 7. All ways learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. We've never been smarter, but we've never been further from the truth. Now, all I'm saying to you is this. I believe that the signs of the times have converged, and I believe that the coming of Jesus is closer than it has ever been before. And is just as Noah called the people to turn to God before the flood. And just as Jonah preached to Nineveh and told them to repent and turn to God. The church, as unpopular as it will be, the church of Jesus Christ must say, prepare to meet God. I'm telling you, your neighbors, your friends, your children, your grandchildren, who are living like they're going to live forever and there's never going to be any reckoning day and that things are just going to continue like they ever have been. Let me tell you something. If we love people, we will say to them, you need to prepare to meet God. And you're going to meet Him. Whether you like it or not, you're going to be accountable to Him. And just as Noah said, Listen, you better, you better get right because the flood's coming. And just as Jonah preached to Nineveh, let me say to you, we must cry out as the body of Christ and people who believe, prepare, prepare to meet God. I wonder if, if, if a, a, a lot of religious people really believe in the return of Christ and really believe in a real judgment by a real God where people are held accountable for their sins and the books are balanced. We work beside people. If Jesus came today, they'd be left. We've got members of our family. If Jesus came today, they'd be left to go through the horrible period of seven years of great tribulation. Billy Graham on November the 7th is going to cry out to America. I pray that it will go into home after home after home after home after home. It's like Noah, like Jonah. It's like the prophets of old saying, come repent. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, let me uh, kind of bring this to a close by telling you how we can respond. And God showed me this this week, and it really encouraged me. In the book of Jude, and they'll put it up on the screen, I want you to listen to what God says we're to do. This is the way we're to live in these last days. Okay? You say, Brother Fred, you don't know when it's going to be. No, I don't know when it's going to be. And I'm not trying to scare you or put fear in you. I'm trying to make you sober-minded. That's all. I want to be sober-minded. I mean, I prayed last night. I cried out to God. And I said, God, I, I mean, I'm not, I have not been, I haven't sensed the urgency as I should. Man, I've not sensed that the, the, now's the time. And boy, God, God just spoke to me. And I said, Lord, I, I can't live like things are always going to be the way they are. I've got to turn up the burner, Lord. And, and we've got to have more zeal and fire and prayer and compassion for people who don't know Jesus. But listen, listen to what it says to us to do in the last days. Jude, it's only one chapter. Beloved. While I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, we're all saved the same way. I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to earnestly contend for the faith. He said, now listen, we all believe in Jesus. And we're trusting him, but we got, we, we got people who don't, and you've got to contend for the faith. He said, I'm urging you to earnestly Contend for the faith which was once and for all delivered to the saints. And friend, I'm telling you, if God's people have ever contended for the faith and said to the skeptics and the unbelievers and the blasphemers, you are wrong, you are wrong. There's one God, His name is Jehovah. There's one Savior and Lord, and His name is Jesus. And He is the only way for people to be saved. We must earnestly contend for the faith. And they say, but you're narrow-minded. I'm no more narrow-minded than the Bible. What the Bible says, I believe. I may not always interpret it perfectly, but I'll tell you one thing. I believe every word of it and every promise God has ever made has been performed. Every prophecy God has ever given has been fulfilled. And I'll tell you, the promises and prophecies concerning Jesus' return will happen. He says, earnestly contend for the faith. Don't back down when people say, oh, you know, you know, you don't really believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. You don't believe he's really the only way to be saved. Yeah, I do. Well, how can you say that? I said, I didn't say that. I said, God said that. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. Neither is there any name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I said, I didn't write this book. I just read it. And if you've got an argument, you better argue with God. And you're going to lose every time. He says, earnestly contend for the faith. Now look on in in Jude right there in verse uh, 5. He said, I want to remind you that God judged the other people who didn't listen. I mean, it's right here. It says, verse 5 of Jude, I want to remind you. That you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. He brought them all out, but some didn't believe, and he destroyed them. I mean, I'm reading the Bible. And the angels, who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he reserved them in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. The angels that rebelled. Some of them he has bound in everlasting change. He said, the angels rebelled and God judged them. And he says also, and Sodom and Gomorrah. Verse 7. And cities around them in similar manner. To these having given themselves over to sexual immorality. And gone after strange flesh. Are set forth as an example of suffering and the vengeance of eternal fire. He said, now listen. Believer, contend for the faith. Contend for the faith. And just remember, remind people that God didn't spare the angels that sinned. And he didn't spare Sodom and Gomorrah. And he did not spare the people that came out of Egypt and rebelled. He didn't do it. Now what makes you think God will excuse you or excuse us? And look over in verse 14. This is quite interesting. I don't really know exactly when this will happen, but it's a part of the return of Christ. Verse 14, it says, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men, blasphemers, people that deny God. Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment on all. To convict all who are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Whoo! The Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment on the ungodly who've spoken ungodly things about him and his son. But then there's a great encouragement. Turn over to verse 20 now. or just look on the screen to verse 20. Now this is what we're to do. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I encourage you to do. Because I'm telling you Jesus is coming. And he's coming soon. I believe that with all my heart. And I'm going to live that way. It says, but you beloved. This is so encouraging to me. As a believer. But you Beloved. Building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. He said, listen, when you see all the signs converging of the return of Christ, and when you see the perilous times uh, of the last days, and, and, and you see this, he said, let me tell you what you do. You build yourself up. I mean, you get strong in the Lord. You get in the Word of God and and you begin to pray like you've never prayed before. You begin to seek God. I mean, it's not casual Christianity. He said, I'm telling you, you build yourself up on your most holy faith. You build yourself up with the Word of God and the, and prayer and worship and fellowship. He said, build yourself up on your most holy faith. And you pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to anoint you and empower you to pray. So you'll know how to pray for your neighbors and how to pray for your nation and how to pray for people around you. He said, and you pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. But then he says something. Look at it. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Now let me tell you what that means. Brother Fred, God loves me. He sure does. He loves me unconditionally. He sure does. He demonstrated his unconditional love for you And that while you were still a sinner, Jesus died for you. But he says here, keep yourselves in the love of God. Jesus said, if you abide in me and you abide in my Father, we can pour out our love on you. Listen, when you sin, God doesn't love you less. When you're not right, but you know what? He can't bless you the way he wants to. For example, you love your children unconditionally. They're your children. You love them. They obey you. Man, you can just pour out blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon them. But your children, they disobey you. And they rebel against you. You know, it's not that you don't love them. But you can't pour out your blessings upon them in their disobedience and rebellion. So when it says keep yourself in the love of God, it says just obey God. Just walk in obedience. Just abide in Christ. And He can pour out... He can just pour out his blessing. It says here, keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our God, the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Okay. Three more verses and I'm through. I want you to listen to this. He said, now, look at verse 22. On some have compassion. On some have compassion. On those who are doubting. He said, there are going to be people who are doubting. They don't know what to believe. They don't know whether to believe it or not. They don't have any background. You'd be amazed, the people that have no background in Christianity, no background at all, none whatsoever, zero. And they doubt. He said, but listen, you have compassion on them, and you love them, and you tell them about Jesus. Don't condemn them. Don't judge them. He said, you have compassion on them. Have compassion on them. As you love them, that will make a difference. And you can help them come. The Spirit of God can bring them beyond their doubts to faith in Jesus Christ. But then he says something else. Look at the last next one. He says, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. What a picture. He says, others warn them, warn them. And it's just like you snatch them out of the fire. Of the judgment of God. On some who are doubting. Have compassion. But on others. Speak to them boldly. And courageously. Say listen. God loves you. Jesus died for you. He does not desire any man to perish. And the only reason Jesus has delayed his coming. Is that everyone would have a chance to be saved. But the day will come when that is over. The day of grace is gone. But he says here. Now there's some. You just have to be be straight with them. And say now listen. Listen. You're going to face God. You're going to be judged by God. And if you die without Christ, you go to a Christless eternity. It says, on some, some uh, have compassion, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even those defiled by the flesh. Well, this is a great word of comfort for us. I tell you, I'm glad God ended it this way. Because many of you say, Brother Fred, I love God. I love Jesus. I love the Word of God. I believe in forgiveness. I believe in the blood of Jesus. I believe in eternal life. I believe God gives a person eternal life, and they'll never perish. No one can snatch them out of God's hand. I do too. And But we're going to go through some difficult times now. Somebody asked some people, you think we'll go through the tribulation? You go ask somebody over in Africa, India that. What do you mean go through it? Said they're trying to kill me right now and they burned my house down yesterday. Are we going to go through the tribulation? (laughs) We're not going to go through the great tribulation. But I promise you there will be tribulation. But listen to what he says to us. Now listen to this. This is a promise to you as a child of God. I'm reading right out of the Bible. Now unto him, (laughs) hallelujah who is able to keep you from stumbling. Well, praise God. God is able to keep us from falling. God is able to keep us from stumbling. Now, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless, faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Let me tell you something. If you're a child of God, You may stumble. You may fall. But I tell you what, God will pick you up. And many of you, if you just keep your eyes on Jesus, you don't even have to get knocked down. It says, Unto him who is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before his presence at at the glory of with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. God will keep his children. He'll keep us from falling. If we fall, the loving God will pick us up through the grace, and we'll repent and receive forgiveness, and we'll keep on going. But I'm telling you, he's told you to keep yourselves, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. He said, you know, be, he said, I want you to be serious about your relationship with me. You know, I'm very careful about what I preach. You don't know how I do, but, but I, I mean, I have a great fear of God that I would say something that was not true or that I would say something that would mislead or guide a person that would cause a person to have unnecessary fear. But you need to understand, all I've done today is declare the truth to you. Jesus is coming again, and he's coming soon. The signs of the times are converging together, and soon Jesus will come. So, what do we as Christians do? Man, we we build ourselves up on our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. We worship, we pray, we study, and then we have compassion on those who are doubting, and we have Concern And we warned those who who, 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 who seem to be put rushing headlong into eternity. But he said, I promise you, I'm going to keep you. If you're my child, I, I, I'll keep you from falling. I will. And if you stumble, I'll pick you up. God says, I'm for you. I'm not against you. I'll forgive you and restore you. But friend, you've got to understand. Either we believe it or we don't believe it. Now, if we believe it, it'll affect the way we live every day of our life. If it's just intellectual assent, it'll make no difference in how you live. But if you believe it, in your heart, it will absolutely change the way you seek God and you live and you follow Jesus.